0: What a privilege this morning to be in church together. We gather with God's people. Let's never take that for granted. Had a great first service, and looking forward to our uh, the service continue this morning. This morning we have Brother Bob McQueer and his dear wife with us. And uh, Brother Bob was a part of Calvary Baptist Church before Calvary became Shelby uh, years ago. He was a youth pastor down in Roseville for a time, and now has been in the ministry. He just said for a long time. He didn't give me he didn't give me the time. He just said a long time. And uh, he's going to come and give us an update this morning on what uh, God's been doing through their ministry. And so, Brother Bob, you come on at this time, if you would.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Well, it's good. For me, it's good to be home. And, uh, you know, we always uh, love being here. We thank God for your support, your friendship, and your, most of all, for your prayers. Uh Paul said to the church at Corinth from Ephesus, Ephesus is in Turkey, where we lived for years, Paul said to them that a great door and effectual is opened unto us, but there are many adversaries. And uh, we know that that's the case worldwide, don't we? Let me just give you a quick update. Uh, we just returned from Turkey. We were there in the month of May and June. Uh, the churches that uh, we have partnered with and establishing are doing well. It's not easy. Uh, the current president uh, of Turkey, Erdogan, is uh, bent on pushing closer to Sharia law, which would be the Muslim type of uh, economy, and it's uh, very anti-Christian. And so many of my friends that are there have found it difficult to get renewed visas. Some are being asked to leave the country, but uh, that's why we train nationals. Uh, We believe that the work of missions to go on in the 21st century really must be done by people of that country. And uh, therefore we train, we work, we work hard at that. Moving on to India, India's really been hit hard this year with the second wave of COVID, as you've heard from the news. And therefore our ministry there has been uh, impacted by that in a negative way. Uh, We uh, every year go to train nationals and to do it in two ways. We train people who are pastoring currently uh, in and throughout uh, India. We usually hold a pastor's conference that's about 300-plus pastors from around the country. Uh, That has been on hold because of the COVID, so we haven't been able to do that. The Bible College, where I go to teach and to uh, uh, train young preachers and those who will work in churches. That's also been on hold. Most of that work has to be done uh, virtually. And for people of that area, that's very difficult because they don't always have the financial means to get a computer or to be able to address that issue. So we uh, we would ask you to pray for India in a very special way. Um, and then um, uh, the country of Myanmar, I, when I was in school back with Noah, we used to call that um, the um, country of Burma, so we refer to them as Burmese people. Two years ago, I was in Burma holding a countrywide pastors' conferences (plural), where I think I was in six different country uh, cities uh, and uh, ministering to pastors and doing workshops and uh, just trying to encourage them in the Lord and in the Word of God because we believe that church planting is really the essential ingredient to carrying on the work of God worldwide. And so therefore, we were doing this, the the fellow that uh, I partnered with is the pastor of the largest church in uh, Yangon, which is the largest city in uh, Myanmar. Uh, They run 500 plus every week. Uh, They also are a tremendous missionary-minded church. I partner with them in sending out 93 missionaries in what we would call the, the small towns of uh, Myanmar, but uh, that has been become very risky and difficult. In February of this year the military uh, took over the government, uh, arrested the president and uh, uh, all of the cabinet, and, and it's been very, they've been under martial law, and it's been killing after killing after killing, really terrible, and then on top of that, they had the wave, the new wave of the advanced uh, uh, virus. And uh, my friend has responded this way. We have two enemies. We have the military junta that's killing at random. And then we have now the COVID problem re-emerging, and it's killing by the thousands. On one day alone in Yangon, he, had, uh, the, he told me we have uh, been having about 1,200 deaths a day. And so uh, we, uh, we look to that, we've lost almost 100 pastors in the country through either the military junta killing them or the COVID. So we would ask your prayers for there. The seminary where I go to teach every year, uh, the founder and president of the seminary on his 59th birthday about three weeks ago, God called him to heaven. Uh, and so we still don't know who will replace him in that venue. And then uh, the fellow that I partner with in uh, doing the, uh, the church planting work among the 93 missionaries, 43 years old, uh, uh, five days after my seminary founder friend, uh, he joined him in heaven. And so uh, it's a very very difficult time right now. I got an email yesterday from uh, uh, Yangon, and uh, my friend expressed uh, how. Uh, if it weren't for the grace of God and the blessings of the Lord, how hopeless their situation would seem to them. So I would ask you to pray. You know, we, we in America take a lot for granted, don't we? We have, a, we have Bibles everywhere. We have the ability to go to church. We don't have people uh, uh, standing against us, exercising our faith in, uh, under our Constitution. We really have. Let me tell you, I've, I've traveled the world and there is no place like America. God bless America. and uh, But that that puts a great responsibility on us as local church people because we have the responsibility of getting the gospel to the end of the earth, to the ends of the earth. So I wish that you'd pray for us in our church planning activities and our efforts. They're not minor, they're major, but uh, As Paul wrote, we have many adversaries, but we are not hopeless because we don't serve the God of the world. We serve the God of heaven. And praise the Lord for you and your support of us. Thank you. You are not only our friends, but you're our prayer warriors, and we appreciate so much what you do. Thank you.
2: Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never. you have never failed me yet. Your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence. You've never failed me yet.
0: Take your Bibles, let's go to the book of Colossians. Thank you so much for the music this morning. And uh, thank you, Brother Bob, for the update on what's going on with the work that God's called you into. And uh, it is definitely sobering uh, to see the work that needs to go on around the world. And very thankful for the work that this church has done and is doing for the cause of world missions. And uh, we've got some news we'll report to you in the next week or so of what we've been able to continue to do. But as you know, back in March of this this, this year, uh, we raised um, about $20,000 more than to go out to our missionaries. uh, And we've increased the support of some of our missionaries already this year and looking to continue that going forward. And uh, we just put on the calendar next March, we'll do a missions emphasis again and talking about the work of world missions. And our heart is not just to send money but our heart is to go and to be on that field and see the work that god's doing there and these are part of the dreams we have uh in the years to come of getting uh contingency from our church to go and see this work and be able to stand i talked to the mcfell falsies and their printing press ministry and what they're putting out trying to get books into the language of the 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 nationals there that they can learn and train from and they're they're putting that printing press, as you know, we, we raised money for that back uh, earlier this year, and they're right on the cusp of being able to pay for the whole thing, and uh, we're excited about seeing that happen. I would love one day to take a group of people from Shelby Bible Church and go and stand next to that printing press and see the work that God's done there and to be a part of that, and so in a, in a greater and more tangible way, and I know God has great things ahead for us. If you're there in Colossians chapter number 2... <clears throat> I want to give you the title of our message in just a few moments, um, but I, and I, I, I lean into the title this morning more than usual because I usually don't make a whole lot of big deal out of the title of the message. It's just the next verses that we're preaching through, uh, but I do think the title this morning has a meaning, and, and I want you to get that in just a few minutes. We're going through our series of being rooted in Christ and being settled in the fact that Christ is enough, and this is, this is the, the quintessential reality of the gospel, is that Christ is enough. Uh, You don't need Christ and anything else. And anytime you begin to add to Christ, you are missing Christ. And that's what we're trying to communicate. And it's my heart this morning to communicate this to you well. What I want to do for us is I want to read through our text of scripture. And we're going to be in chapter 2. And we'll read verse 11 through 15 and when we finish reading 11 through 15 I want to go back and I want you to follow with me and I want to read and and make a commentary on this as we read through it to kind of give a little more insight in what's being said and you listen to the commentary as I read it as well and then we're going to come back at the end and I'll read that again and you'll see how the message ties that together when we're done and so let's begin in verse number 11 of chapter 2 and let's read it Uh, From the word of God, you follow along with me as I read aloud, in him, that's what we preached last week, in him, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with all its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And this is the message that I want to read for you now. I want you to follow with me back in verse number 11 and see if you can tie this in as you follow along with your eyes. In him, you were included in the covenant with a circumcision that was not of man by the putting off or cutting off of Christ's flesh. That was Christ's circumcision. Having been buried with him, and that's what you do with a dead person, you bury them, in the picture of baptism and we demonstrate our hope in his work by coming out of the water this is the faith this is the faith that god can raise me to life you were dead and only jesus followers can talk about were dead in trespasses or crossing the line and the un, in the uncircumcision of your flesh being outside the covenant of God God made alive with him having forgiven each time we trespass or cross the line He did this by canceling our legally accrued debt that hangs over us with all of its legal power to exact payment He canceled this by paying our debt on his cross the record is wiped clean Those who were accused Uh, would accuse us rather, have no argument left at their disposal. They stand in the realm of eternity ashamed. They are gawking at what Christ accomplished in his cross. God is victorious over them all in Christ. And just as a commentary on that, I want you to put that in the back of your mind, and we'll come back to it at the end of the message. Let's pray together this morning and ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, we ask you that you would give us uh, clarity of thought. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that, Father, you would give us a freedom this morning, and Lord, I pray that the message that I feel the weight of communicating, I pray, Father, that it would be communicated clearly and thoroughly to your people, but I pray, Father, that we would see the sufficiency of Christ this morning and all that is said and done. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you do a work that I cannot do, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand, and a willingness to obey, and it's in the precious name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. There's terminology that floats around Christianity, and, um, and this terminology leans into, I think, almost a flippancy uh, with the gospel. How many of you heard the term, once saved, always saved? All right? Once saved, always saved. So once you're in, you're always in. Um, and I think I get the heart behind what's being communicated there, but I think it misses a little bit. Um, it, it almost, and the accusers, I think rightly so, come back and say, well, you're just teaching that, you know, you can, you can pray a prayer and then live how you want to. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay. Pray a prayer, live how you want to, it doesn't matter how you live, you, you're going to heaven. And this morning, I, I, I want to walk away from that just a little bit because I want to say first off, I unequivocally believe in the security of the believer, I believe that we are secure in the finished work of Christ. That He's done that work, and there is no other ground of security than the finished work of Jesus Christ. He is the one that saves me, and He is the one that keeps me. And I stand in that uh, unapologetically this morning. And, and then to say this morning, no one who believes in the security of the believer believes you can live how you please and then have assurance of salvation. Um, We we hear terminology, and I've wrestled with people in in this, and they say, well, hold on a second. Uh, How can a person who's done that deserve heaven? And I would say, oh, they don't. And I said, but neither do you, and neither do I. Because heaven is not about what I deserve, it's about what Christ has done. My eternity is not secure by the work of Mike Montgomery or the work of Shelby Bible Church. My eternity is secure in the work of Jesus Christ. Our assurance is not in our performance. Our security is not in our performance. So let me, let me reverse that. Our security, the ground of confidence, the ground that I stand upon, the foundation this morning that I stand on is not based upon my performance. It's based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ at the cross. That the work He did when He died and was buried and rose again is my security. When I stand before God, He will. Add, if I stand before God, and we've we've given this illustration before, what would you say? Why should God let you into heaven? Well, I'm not going to say, "Well, I prayed a really good prayer," or "I asserted a few doctrinal points of uh, uh, positional points." No, my only ground is Christ crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. That is the ground of my salvation. That is the security, the foundation upon which I stand. I have no other argument. I have no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That's where I stand. However, my assurance is not the same thing as my security. And what do we mean by that? To be assured of something means you have a confidence that you're living with. You know it to be the case. You're based upon something. Our assurance is not in our performance either. You see, security is only found in Christ and in his work. Where do I find my security? In the work of Christ. Where do I find my assurance? I find it in Christ, but I find it in fellowship with Christ. It is in my fellowship with him that I find that I am secure. It is outside of that fellowship that I find myself insecure. That when I wander from that relationship, I find myself insecure with the circumstances of life. I find myself insecure. And if we drift long enough, we find ourselves even insecure of where we stand in eternity. But again, my security is in what Christ has done. My assurance is in what Christ has done. And I find my assurance of my security in his work. And I find my assurance in my relationship with him. That as I walk in relationship with him, I know who he is. Now, how many of you have some friends? You may spend some, you know how friends, the the time we spend together kind of runs in bunches. You ever notice that? Like, you'll, you'll, like, well, we had dinner with them, and then we saw them over here, and then we went to small group over here, and you connect with them, like, three or four times in, in a couple weeks span, and then you don't see them for two, three weeks. And how many of you are, now, you probably won't admit to being this petty, but you're like, man, I haven't talked to them in a couple of weeks. I wonder if they're mad at me, you know? And you haven't been in fellowship with them, and you begin to wonder where you stand based upon that. You know, are they ignoring me? You know, I sent them that text the other day. It is interesting to me that when I send somebody a text and they don't respond, I think they're mad. But when they send me a text and I don't respond, I just assume they know I'm busy. You know, but, uh, but we, we have a double standard there, I think, at times. But uh, we, 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 are they upset with me? Is there a problem? And we begin to wonder, and I think in the same way in our relationship with Christ. When I am in Christ and living in the awareness of the reality of what he's done, I am secure in his work, and I am assured of his work. Again, my security is not in me. My assurance is not in me. My security rests in the finished work of Christ, and my confidence rests when I'm understanding and living in the knowledge of that security. Remember a few weeks ago we gave the illustration, um, Of the uh, insurance policy and brother Chachi was talking with me during the week and it kind of this illustration kind of developed out of it he was sitting in his house and it was pouring rain and he was wondering do I do I have flood insurance what if the basement floods am I covered for that now if he walked around with great confidence that he was covered but he didn't have an insurance policy his confidence is empty right it doesn't matter if you don't have an insurance policy. You can walk around all the confidence you want. It doesn't do you any good. You're not covered. But the reality is, is that he was secure in that he had a policy in place that covered him for flood insurance. But he didn't have the assurance he was okay until he got out the policy and read it. And when he opened the information that the policies contained, there was an assurance that grew in his heart that everything's all right because my policies got me covered. And you and I, as we walk in the Christian life, we are prone to wonder We are prone to drift away from the reality of what the cross has done in our life. And when we wonder, we begin to find ourselves in insecure places or in places of unassured places. We're wondering, like, is God even in control? Do you see the mess the world's in? What's happening? And what do we do? We're tempted to run to many other places to find our assurance. But what we should do is run to the cross to find our assurance. Because in the cross alone do I find confidence. In the cross alone do I find the assurance that I need to walk this out. 2 Peter, I want to go there real quick if we could. In 2 Peter, in chapter, I know we're preaching through Colossians. I'm not starting a new series. We're just having a sister passage here, okay? 2 Peter chapter 1. I love the turning of pages, by the way. That's an encouragement to a pastor. 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who've obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is my security this morning? The righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is my security. That is the ground and the foundation upon which I stand. How have I entered into that? It is by faith that I've entered into that security, and I stand grounded upon his righteousness. We come only by faith. Then he says, verse number two, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. The more we know him, the more grace and peace are multiplied. The more I walk in fellowship with him, the more I appropriate and understand the grace and the peace that are available in the cross. The longer I walk away from him, the less I'm taking advantage of the grace and peace. It doesn't mean it's not available. It means I'm not taking advantage of what he's offered me. It is there. Grace and peace are being poured out from the cross for us on a daily basis. Now look what he says in verse number three, he says, uh, his divine power has granted us all